This is the Eric Francis Show, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Eric Francis Show. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Hope you're enjoying some time off. Hopefully, hopefully you're enjoying some family time. I know I am, and it's fantastic. It's always too short, but uh, but what a lovely break it is to have uh, Christmas time. Anyway, we're going to get into the Eric Francis Show. I'm Eric Francis. We do this every Monday. Yes, today's Tuesday. It's a special holiday edition. Yes, we normally do it at noon. Today we're doing it at 2 because it's the holidays and everything's, uh, everything's a little bit different. And uh, tonight's game... Of course, everybody's aware the Calgary Flames returned to action tonight. Flames versus the Oilers, the third and final installment of the Battle of Alberta. I believe it's the 259th version of the uh, rivalry. I was a little surprised to read today, even though I've covered about half of those, that uh, the Flames have won more than the Oilers have. Not by much, but uh, I think that's largely because of the last 15 years or so. They've really uh, come back. Uh, from where they were down in the 80s. They were, I, I know they lost a lot more than they won in the 80s and the 90s. Uh, but uh, we're going to have Ryan Leslie on. He's going to join us at the top of the hour here just in a few minutes. And Mark Spector from sportsnet.ca, he is going to join us at the bottom of the hour to give us a little bit more of a perspective from the other side of the ice. But we're going to open the show with my good friend Ryan Leslie. He joins us on the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline. Merry Christmas, my friend. Hey, hey, happy holidays to you and all your listeners. <laughs> I don't know how many we have today. Hopefully people oh, are doing stuff. Be off the charts, Eric. <laughs> you got a couple of heavyweights and me and Speck joining you. Yeah, it's a big one. It's a big one. Yeah. Uh, you, you and I were down at the Dome this morning, as were uh, you know all of our colleagues, and uh, kind of reconvening with the team. It was only two and a half, three days off from the team. But uh, what did yeah. you hear down there today that uh, kind of stuck with you, if anything? Well, a couple things. Uh, nobody's really happy with what the league did. Um, and now everybody's got weird schedules, so I'll say that. But the idea of having back-to-backs before the break on the road in California where you're going to lose an hour, and then you're going to start with back-to-backs, one in Calgary, one in Seattle. So you've got international flights. You're losing time. It's just not an ideal setup. Break's not long enough schedule didn't help them now that said they weren't making excuses that's just an observation mm-hmm. and frustration no doubt as far as uh, the game goes they want to try and find that uh, momentum that they seemingly had it's hard to ignore seven of eight points in your last four games that, that's good um but you know were you overly happy if you're the flames with everything you were doing well not really there's lots to work on and I think you heard Nazem Kadri say today you know defensively that's where we can always uh, improve upon and that's what I asked him is there one thing that's a priority that you want to improve upon and that was what he said in defensive play and I think that's going to be consistent with the Oilers it's about consistency and I think these teams kind of mirror each other a lot in that they're underachieving they are uh, wanting some consistency and they know they're capable looking at their roster of, of more results. So, you know, Edmonton's coming off a loss at home to Vancouver before the break. They're going to be a little bit motivated. Coming in here is sort of the perfect elixir to get them charged. Calgary wants to try and keep things going, and, and now that they're in a playoff spot, maintain it and build. So those are the things I heard. You know, it's funny that, you know, when we were talking to Kadri about the big difference, and, you know, he said that as you get close to the playoffs, obviously you've got to, 
shape up your game defensively. I mean, that's that's yeah. the oldest cliche there is in sports. But I think a lot of people would be surprised to learn that their record this year compared to last year, really the, the difference is the, in shootouts. If they had won two shootouts as opposed oh, to yeah. two they lost, you know, they're, they're, they're 18, 11, and 6 last year at this time. This year, 16, 12, and 7. Like a a two-win difference. It yeah. feels like it's a whole lot different from last year, though, doesn't it? It doesn't feel like it this does. team is yeah. anywhere close to what we saw last year. No, you're right. And, and you know they're leaving points on the board. We've talked about it on the broadcast. Greg Millen has been pointing it out almost every time they're in that situation. And it's, and it's, it's a fact. I mean, you're leaving points on the table, and that doesn't sit well. And that's the, but that's the rub, too. Uh, you can argue it any way you want. But when you play close games, you better win them. And when you're playing one-goal games, you better win them. And if you don't, you're like, geez. But then I guess if you're looking at the Oilers and they can score in bunches and then they're, they're allowing three a game that they don't like, then you're making that argument too. So, you know, there's you can look at it and slice it any way you want, but the truth is these guys know they need to win in overtime. It was a heck of a goal by uh, Rasmus Anderson. They need to win the shootout. So, yeah, there's there's lots to point at and say, okay, we're here today. Uh, identify these four or five things. Go to work on them, and, and you know it's still a game of chance and opportunity. A little bit of puck luck. So this is a team that is, you know needed to get where they are. It was a goal, and now uh, we'll see if they can build upon it. Not going to be easy. It, it is uh, you know when you go when I look at these comparisons, I asked our stats gurus in Toronto to yeah. send me the comparisons last year and this year. Like I said, three points difference. They're, they're three points off their pace from last year. Their goals for, they've actually scored one more goal for this year at this time of the year, you know, yeah. 35 games in or whatever, than they have last year. The big difference is goals against. They had 88 goals against last year at this time, 106 this time. That is a significantly, mm. that's 18 goals more. And I think when we looked at this team at the beginning of the year, and correct me if you think I'm wrong, I mean, you and I talked about it on broadcast and on TV mm-hmm. hits. If this team was going to be successful this year, I think we all believed because of the loss of some obvious goal scoring, this team was going to win games 2-1 and 3-2. Not the case at all. This team has gone yeah. the other way defensively. Yeah, and that's uh, probably something that just drives Daryl Sutter yeah. nuts. And, mm-hmm. you know, he had the good fortune last year of a goaltender who was spitting out shutouts like a Pez dispenser. And it was impressive to see Jacob Markstrom pull off, I believe it was nine last year. So um, that that covers it up. Goaltending, we've talked about it time and time again. Not to suggest it is a weak spot. It's just not where it was a year ago uh, defensively. You know, it's not like we're hanging this all on the departure of Eric Branson. You know, there's some, there's some team play, there's some new faces, there's some... Just the mental side of it, guys. Like, the grind. Like, honestly, like, the schedule hasn't been great. Three times out east. Mm-hmm. Like, there's – I don't think you compare – and I'm not trying to use coach speech or speak or anything like that. It's just last year was last year. And, yeah. you know, you can look at the numbers. It's a different team. Uh, it's a different schedule. It's a different mindset right now. So, I look at some of those other factors versus – analytics are just you know pure traditional uh, uh, stats so you know knowing this group the way i do they're they're just trying to overcome a bunch hey they haven't played anywhere close to their capabilities they're the first ones to tell you that blake coleman said as much the other day and here they are in a playoff spot so is that where you're shooting for a playoff spot no but it is december 
So yeah. you, this is why you got to play the games. My take on this team is that they're, they're starting to round into form and they're going to be just fine. Like, I don't think playoffs are going to be, a, a you know, obviously people can be concerned all they want. I, I don't see it being an issue. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Because yes, they have had a lot of things go wrong this year. A lot of things that we didn't think would be broken have been broken or, or, you know, on the, on the way to being fixed. But at the end of the day, I think they're going to start fixing a lot of these things moving forward and be just fine. Is that kind of the overall way you look at this team? Well, I don't know if I can just purely look at the calendar and the play and, and just the talent that is on the roster. I, I look at, as I sort of mentioned last, I look at the human element as well. Um, I really do, Eric, think that you've got to turn the corner quick here or it's lost. Uh, not to suggest this team's in the ditch, not at all. But <clears throat> there's a lot of factors, and these guys need to find some, some reasons to build on momentum, not just wins. Wins over certain opponents, for sure. Winning close games goes a long way. Something that galvanizes this group. And I'm not sure we've seen a reason. I kind of thought going back to Toronto, you walk out of there, they might walk a little taller. Just the way the Leafs were going at the time. and mm-hmm. Calgary needed one bad, and they pushed them. And, you know, we remember what happened there a year ago. And I think you just need some type of spark, some type of galvanizing moment that, that helps that we will look back come playoff time and go, hey, remember in January or remember in February when this or that happened. I need to see that because just playing it out now, it's, it doesn't work for me anyhow. And, and I'm sure, uh, you know, Flames fans are sitting there pointing at a number of different things going, I don't like this, or I don't like that. Well, winning masks a lot. And I think in order to find just wins and, and a reason to turn things around, you got to find it. I don't know where it is. I don't know what it is, but I really do believe that a lot of teams start to look back and go, that was our turning point, or that was our moment that galvanized this group. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. He's Ryan Leslie. I'm Eric Francis. It's the Eric Francis Show every Monday, noon. Different time slot this week because it's the holidays and we're setting up a big game tonight. Okay, it's not the midway point, and we'll do our little midway report cards when that comes up. But, you know, when you look at this team and what they've done over the first almost half of the season, what's the biggest surprise that 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 you've seen? Because And I'll start you off by just saying I, I think – Jonathan Huberdeau is. I mean, I could point to the defense and the fact that they're not as stifling defensively as I thought they would be. But I guess if I'm, if, if people ask me what, what surprised you the most, I'd say Jonathan Huberdeau is nowhere near what I think people thought the team was getting yet. And I do think he's a work in progress. Well, and I will say you're probably right, but I'll offer some type of uh, context with that from where I sit. I think he's been playing in pain a lot this year. Um, from the foot and the boot that we saw to the elbow and the arm to, and I'm not one for excuses, but I know this guy's been hurt and I know this guy's played through a lot and he's handled himself with class and dignity with us, the public. And as far as the team, he's not going to be ever an issue for that group in that room. That's for sure. I agree with you, (laughs) but you have to ask yourself too a couple of things. And I know, you know, everybody loves the sound bites that the coach provides, and it's funny, and they get, you know, get to laugh at the media who are asking questions, good, bad, or stupid, or otherwise, it doesn't matter. But you got to ask yourself for a player that is that talented, are we getting, are we seeing 
you know, the staff, the system, whatever it is, the most out of that guy. And it's one thing to say, well, he has to fit into this system. Well, okay, fine. I agree. Except you're not getting the most out of him. So how are you seeing him, you know, excel? I don't know. And I think it's certainly on him. Uh, but he's the one who, and you heard Daryl say, you know, Matthew Kachuk wanted the trade, so he's going down to a different thing. And this was a bit of a surprise. He's, I, I agree. That only lasts so long. Now, what, are, what is happening? And maybe it's turning a corner. It looks like it is to finding the right combo, um, the right system, the right way to let this guy go. He, according to Daryl, he's the greatest passer this organization, organization's ever had in its history. Um, we haven't seen that yet. We've seen mm-hmm. failed attempts. We've seen some good ones. Uh, w- but we haven't seen the Jonathan Huberdeau that we have seen in Florida. Completely different styles and systems. I get it. Everybody mm-hmm. gets it. Mm-hmm. But if you want to get the most, you gotta, you got to, you know, and, and far be it from me to ever figure out how to get the most out of any player. I don't know. But there's more there. So somebody has got to figure out how to get more there instead of just saying, well, it's not working. Yeah, yeah, I think the restrictions of the system are, are, are certainly part of it. Injuries, it's an interesting take that you have on that. You're closer to the team. You see him on the plane and other places. And, you you know, I just think that uh, I don't want to say as he goes, this team goes, because I think even if he doesn't figure it out and get back to similar form to last year, this team could still make the playoffs without him. Uh, but it's going to be a whole lot harder than it would be if he just came, you know, and seamlessly fit in. Like like Matthew Kachuk has done in Florida. And I know we're all sick of talking about the guys that are gone. They're gone. It, we don't yep. need to keep harping on that. But and we'll uh, see where those teams end up when it all shakes down, too. Uh, individuals are having good seasons. Like they you had don't think Columbus is going to have a big playoff? I'm not sure about the push. No. <laughs> and, you know, Florida's had their ups and downs for sure. Every team mm-hmm. does. It's a weird year. Eric, it really is, it is scheduling and, you know, coming out of COVID and all that stuff with the restrictions. It's a weird year and the schedule certainly doesn't help anybody and new teams and dynamics. I get it, but uh, I'm not so sure I would say as he goes, the team goes. I, I don't know if it's that, but I, we've no. talked about this many times. I'll, I'll throw out there one more time. Steve Eisenman had to change his game and it was Scotty Bowman who, who was not going to allow him to play the way it was just about racking up numbers and all that. No winning. Well, he changed. And he won. And so I kind of wonder if if there's some similar shades to that about when we look back, because it's easy to say now when we have nothing to base it on, but I wonder if we look back and go, there was your defining moment when he changed his game. And I don't think he's above playing defensive or, or buying in. None of that. This guy is a treat to deal with. I'm sure, you know, Daryl uh, enjoys dealing with him and coaching and teaching this guy because he's playing different. He's playing different than what Daryl would want. So, I wait and I see how this shakes down, but I, I just wonder if, if we're talking down the road next year, maybe even the end of this year or beyond that maybe, Hey, he had to change his game. It wasn't working and he's done. So he's been an effective guy this way or that way. Time will tell too easy to just say it, but we've seen other examples of offensive players changing, modifying and improving their game, their well-rounded game in order to win. We saw it with Johnny last year to a degree. I mean, I don't think it was as Agreed. dramatic as, as Isaac, but the numbers were, were yeah. stunning. I mean, plus 64, I think he ended up with. And Daryl loves to keep pointing that out because we all thought, you know, a lot of people thought Daryl and, and, and Johnny Gaudreau couldn't coexist, really. And it worked uh, well. The coach loved the player, said he could play on any team of his ever that he's ever had. And John 
wanted to only play for him at one point near the end. So it, it did work, and it was a career year. You get a coach of the year, and you get career numbers for John. Yeah, and and I, I will say people don't look at the defensive metrics as much, but Huberto's got some pretty impressive numbers when it comes to playing better defensively than I think he came as advertised. And 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 now we just needed to translate into offense. And and to be fair, I think in his last 14 games, he's got 14 points. Um, the problem with those numbers are they no, no, in those 14 games, I counted them up the other day, he's got 17 shots on goal, which brings yeah. me to the, the loss in L.A. Uh, did you see his two egregious decisions to pass up prime shooting opportunities right in front of the net. Did you see them as, as egregious as I did? And one led to the, the game winning goal the other yeah, way. Yeah, Sure. I think we all did, including him. And he owned okay. it. Afterwards. Yeah. And he was strong about it. And I spoke with one of his teammates who said, look, John, uh, John is going to make those passes. That's what makes him Jonathan Huberto. He makes passes and he usually makes good. He goes, now, could he have made a better pass? Yeah. But I'm not on him for not shooting. We're all sitting there watching, going, shoot, shoot, you know, as yeah. fans or media or maybe yeah. even a coach. Um, but the reality is he is a he is a playmaker, and it didn't work. Um, we've seen some Michigans recently not work <laughs> in a different <laughs> contest. But, uh, you know, I think uh, these are more learning experiences. And you also talk about offense. I mean, you just pointed out earlier in the show about how the numbers are where they are now. Um, better than what? What did you say? Was it a goal better or something along those lines? Yeah, or a year ago. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they're hurting in that department without him. You just like to get them going. When I look at the uh, the matchup tonight, and the numbers are pretty, they're identical in terms of the series between Edmonton and Calgary so far this yeah. year. Both teams have six goals for. Both teams have a win. The, the numbers are almost identical. The big difference. Almost, and it's been this way for basically since Connor McDavid got to Edmonton, is the power play. Yeah. The Calgary Flames have a, have drawn have taken the most penalties in the National Hockey League this year. They've been shorthanded more than any team in the NHL, and now they're going up against a team that's operating at a 32 plus percentage point uh, in terms of power play efficiency, which is on pace to set a new NHL record. That combination could be deadly and yeah. could very well be the story tonight. Do you not agree? Yes, I do. And, you know, you can point at Connor, you can point at Leon, but you better also point at Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who's mm-hmm. doing everything uh, this season. His coach was glowing about him today and how you can just even squeeze more out of this guy year in, year out. It's incredible. They are, you know, his passing right now, his his confidence, his overall game uh, speaks to not only you know, five on five, but certainly in that power play, it's just another wrinkle, right? They're certainly missing Evander Kane, but they've had others step up. So, yeah, this could be very, very dangerous. Uh, it could be one that, uh, it could be one that, um, you know, you look at special teams and you look at uh, how that thing's going. And if you're Calgary, and I know I can almost see the face of Daryl right now, you know, when they take those penalties and, <laughs> and what that does and how it just sucks the life out of your opportunities and momentum and, yeah, certainly one that uh, certainly one that if they do end up a couple things trying to make this a track meet, or they're going to be penalized. This could be a quick night for the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's finish with some levity. Uh, you you kind of 
led the way on the interview today with Milan Lucic. You'd obviously seen the photo that he had posted on social mm -hmm. media about the uh, Christmas party. I'll let you just kind of recap the pe re recap the party and some of the comments that uh, Milan Lucic had today because it was pretty funny. Yeah, he was great. He was just talking about how he had everybody over there Christmas Day and and some on Christmas Eve and and I, I just asked him. I said, "Who's?" who stayed too long. And he looked me right in the eye and said, nobody. And that, <laughs> I mean, who's going to be the guest that uh, stays too long at the Lucic family Christmas? <laughs> that's, that's your move. But, that is uh, my move. But certainly uh, when he says it's time to go, you just get in the car or the Uber and go. Yeah. And, uh, and I think uh, it sounded like everybody had a good time. Talked to a couple of boys about it. And, and they needed it. And, you know, certainly they needed a little bit more time off. And, uh, yeah, even I think the coach took a swipe at you today for uh, you know how these players are even busier than you or have more need more time off than you do or something along those lines. But there was a that little was bit a of, general uh, swipe. Not to, yeah. that today that wasn't directed at me. Oh, okay, good, good. <laughs> Many I wasn't others sure who are. that was. So I, I thought I just took a shot. And uh, Fair yeah, it's true. But uh, I could I could be paid what they're making to work that hard, couldn't you? It'd be great. Wow. But. Um, but, yeah, it sounded like they had a great time. Hey, it's over now, but they needed that now. I guess everybody starts to look at the, you know, fired up for one more month, and then you're going to get the 7- to 10-day break or whatever it is, and and uh, that will be much needed. And now then we'll have the conversation after that. How do you get back on that horse when you've let it out and everybody's relaxed and everything else? But certainly uh, a break with this schedule uh, for everybody is needed. Well, and it wasn't, you know, I think people think, oh, they got three days off. Well, you're, you're, the, the, the charter flight landed at 4 a.m. coming back from yeah. Anaheim the other night yeah. on New Year's we Eve We got morning. in at 4, and we're, we're lucky, right, because a lot of people were stranded yeah. and uh, to get home. Sure. But uh, certainly it was exhausting. And then, uh, again, the back-to-backs and then the back-to-backs. So lots of factors that go into it. I'm dying to see the results of this one tonight. Uh, does the power play scorch a penalized team uh, that uh, is undisciplined or – is it a you know a system game because you throw in the break? It's kind of equal for everybody. So I'm not sure what we get, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and the Oilers are coming off a bit of a slider. I think they've lost four of their last five. So does does that mean anything? You know, did the break interrupt the momentum the Flames were building? Does yeah. the break you know, help the Oilers reset? Well, as Lucic kind of said, we basically had two days off, guys. Like it's not yeah. it's not a big deal. Yeah. So yeah, not a ton of rust, but maybe a bit of turkey. <laughs> Yeah, I've been a turkey and a, a few other things. So, hey, Ryan, thanks for joining us, my man. Look forward to doing the broadcast with you tonight. Uh, puck drop 7 p.m., if I have that correct. Yeah. And uh, I always check with you. You never know. Whew. And uh, and we'll uh, we'll talk then. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me. We'll see you. Okay, there he is, Ryan Leslie, your uh, Sportsnet Flames host. He'll be on the broadcast tonight. And uh, Flames Oilers, 7 o'clock. Looking forward to this one. It's the third and final game of the Battle of Alberta this year. We hope it's not the final game this year. Everybody's hoping for a playoff spot. But at this point in time, a matchup that has two teams that most people thought would be battling for first place in the division are now battling for the last spot in the West wildcard spot. It's still early, still 45-plus games to be played, but uh, it's interesting where both teams have, have landed at this point in the season. Okay. The, uh, that was on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Hotline. It's a 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner. For takeout or delivery, call 403-248-3344 or dine in at Atlas Pizza, 6060 Memorial Drive. 
Northeast. You're listening to the Eric Francis Show. And of course, it's brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. Tickets are still on sale for the New Year's Eve Las Vegas themed burlesque show, dessert buffet, and midnight champagne toast included for only $85. We'll take a break. We'll come back with Mark Spector from Sportsnet.ca. You're listening to the Eric Francis Show on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. This is the Eric Francis Show, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, we're back. First half chat with Ryan Leslie. Now we shift almost three hours north to speak to our good friend, Mark Spector. He joins us on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. How are you, my friend? Wow, nice of you to have me follow Ryan Leslie. I can't think of an easier act to follow in terms of of entertainment value, uh, Eric. Oh, I like that you're calling your shot. That's pretty good. And we should point out you're not in Edmonton. Yeah, easy money. Okay, well, let's see what you can bring to the show. Is uh, You're here in Calgary. We saw you down at the Dome this morning. And I'm wondering just uh, what you took out of, you know, what did you hear in and around the Dome uh, this morning that you kind of took away? Well, I was pretty happy with the beef barley soup at that little cantina you guys got running down there. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> the price is right, too. Prices, sports writers, yeah, it fits us our budget. Uh, I, you know what, like, I got a, my team in Edmonton, Eric's not much different than your team down here. I've heard them say a lot of things all year long, and I'm finally, I'm pretty much at the point where it's about time to, to quit talking and start doing. Uh, you know, I got a team that's good enough to walk into Tampa and beat the, the Bolts and we'll walk into Dallas last weekend, beat a good Dallas team. And then they come home and lose to Anaheim and Vancouver. So uh, talk is cheap, my friend. Uh, Your team's just grabbed the wild card spot after being out of the playoffs for a long time. And my team just fell out of the playoffs after being in the last wild card spot for a long time. So neither of them are getting the job done, frankly. And let's watch them play tonight and see what happens. So one of the things that Daryl said today that I'm curious whether or not you agreed with him was, you know, he, he said in terms of the Calgary team, and we're going to talk mostly about your other team, but in terms of the Calgary team, he said the only difference between last year and this year is the, is the division, and the division is better. And I sense that you're probably like me, and you don't agree with that statement necessarily. No, I mean, all due respect to Daryl. He's, you know, I'm not here to tell you Daryl doesn't know anything about hockey, but listen, Anaheim's awful. You guys just played San Jose twice. I don't even tell you how good they are. Um, you know, LA Kings aren't as good a team as they were last year. They're struggling a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Seattle's improved. Vancouver's not very good. And I would say to you that Edmonton and Calgary, neither of them have found their stride. So, no, I am wouldn't agree with Daryl. It wasn't a place to have a debate this morning, but I wouldn't say the Pacific is particularly strong. I would say that the Flames... You know, I mean, it's kind of funny. I mean, I remember standing in a hallway in Penticton at the rookie camp here, uh, Eric, and you and I were debating who was going to win the division, the Oilers or Calgary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right now, mm-hmm. the debate is which one doesn't make the playoffs. <laughs> so, and I don't think I don't think either one of us really believes that one of these teams isn't going to make the playoffs. Do we? I, I know anything's possible, but really, with the, with the the skill in both teams' lineups and the I don't see it happening. Do you? I no, I don't. And they're both, you know, they're both, and they're both sitting right there. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. you know, what I don't even know. I have looked at the standings a few minutes ago. 
Minnesota's a point up on Calgary, two up on Edmonton. Seattle's the same point up, couple games in hand. We're only at 35 games here. There's tons yeah. of hockey left. There's a good size trade for each team coming down the pipe towards the deadline. Both teams have had tougher schedules. Edmonton and Calgary in the first 30 games had two of the top three or four tough schedules in the entire yeah. National Hockey League, which means they'll get the easier schedule on the last half. Lots of games. You know, Edmonton hadn't played San Jose yet. Uh, and, you know, some of those teams. So, yes, there's a lot of points on the board. But uh, I'd like to see both teams, frankly, get into a groove where they play, you know, play well for more than three days in a row. I'd like to see them start to put a couple of weeks together here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're talking to Mark Spector from Sportsnet.ca up in Edmonton. He's in town, obviously, for the big game tonight. Seven o'clock puck drop here on Sportsnet. The fan, nine sixty. I want to. I want to go back to Daryl Sutter. I, I, I. No matter where we travel in the league, one of the first things that other reporters, columnists, want to ask me about or talk about is is Daryl Sutter and his press conferences. And oh man, we tune into him from here even because we can't wait to hear what he's going to say. What is your? T- You've known the old Jolly Rancher for even longer than I have, actually. But, you know, what is your take on the spectacle that is the Daryl Sutter press coverage? Because it's it's unlike anything else in the league. Yes, it is. It is. He, he's, uh, you know what, I mean, maybe it's a little inside baseball. I would say to you that in terms of trying to, as a reporter, trying to build a piece and trying to build a feature and needing some quotes from the coach, he's not great. <laughs> you know, he doesn't go on and on and give you a bunch of lovely stuff on a guy, right? Uh, he cuts to the chase pretty quickly. He, But I would say to you that Daryl tells the truth uh, on some things where other coaches won't. If Daryl doesn't like the way one of his guys is playing, you know it, right? Mm-hmm. There's other coaches around who their guy could be playing awful and they'll never say it to you. So, you know, there, every coach is different, right? I got a young, a young, intelligent guy in Jay Woodcroft up here who's an awesome quote. He fills your notebook. You ask him about a player, he gives you all these great quotes. You ask him about a player who's not playing very good, and he tells you how good he's playing. And I want yeah. to say, Woody, he's got two goals in 40 games. He's not playing well. <laughs> but You're not but talking about that, a specific player right now, are you? Well, whatever. There's a couple of them. <laughs> and you know what? I'd rather a coach say less and, and you know, speak to what's really going on than say more and try to blow smoke up, you know, where. So, yeah. listen, every coach has their style. I laughed this morning. Daryl said, I don't know why they're playing so many games in October. A guy's either on the combine or he's out hunting. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I don't own a combine and I don't own a gun, so I don't mind a hockey game in October. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that seemed a little out of touch, I agree. But, but and, and you know, Daryl's... Daryl's apt to blast me, you, anybody at, at the drop of a hat. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't care who you are, how good a relationship you do or do not have. But I will say this, it's entertaining. And, and we are in the entertainment business. I keep coming back to this on every show I say this, I think. Because I think so many people lose sight of the fact that we're in the entertainment business. Some people think we're in the business of winning hockey games, which could not be further from the truth, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, no. Winning is, is entertaining, don't get me wrong, but it's about entertainment. And if you're not entertaining, then you're not selling tickets, you're not making money, then people get fired and things change, and there's it's a revolving door. Anyway, he well, is entertaining. I give him credit for that. You never know who he's going to blast, who he's going to be overly kind to, what he's going to say, who he's going to light up. It's 
it really is pretty cool theater, especially after games. We never yeah, know what he's going to say. Right. Yeah. He, he's, listen, I think people out there who are listening to our show right now, some of them lose track a little bit. The game's not won or lost in the press conference room. What mm-hmm. goes on in there has got nothing to do with nothing when it comes to who's playing <laughs> well, who's not playing well. This thing about media running guys out of town is such a, a, an inaccurate statement. Oh, GMs don't check with Eric Francis. Trilliving doesn't check with Francis before he trades Kachuk, right? No. Did, did your phone ring this summer, right, before they didn't sign Goodrow, or did they just do it without your permission, Eric, right? <laughs> exactly. You know, this whole thing about the media having something to do with whether or not Paul Yarby's playing well in Edmonton, <laughs> like – I can't score a goal for this guy. And if you ask me to, I'd probably miss the net anyway. So it's mm-hmm. don't forget the game is won and lost by the players on the ice. And what us media guys are doing, all we do is we try to inform the fans. We try to give you as much info as we can. Sometimes you get a funny little story like Dan Vladar this morning. And yeah. the rest of the time, we're on the periphery. Go through that. I, I purposely didn't tell the Vladar story because – he told it to you first, so I thought I'd let you uh, rehash what he told you today because that's kind of cute. He, he's such a personality. We love this guy in the room. Yeah, he seems like a really nice young guy. So I said, hey, did you did you bet the checks yesterday with your teammates? And he says, oh, man. He says, he says I always bet the checks against Canada. I lose 200 bucks. He says, I lose 500 bucks. I lose 1,000 bucks some years. He says, this year, I'm not – no bets for me. He says, I'm not betting anybody. So he turned down all the action from his teammates yesterday and the Czechs beat Canada for the first time in world junior history. Amazing. <laughs> and Dan Lennart doesn't make a dime. So no. we laughed. He says, don't worry, they're playing Sweden this week and all my Swedish teammates are going to be coming after me for my money. <laughs> yep. Yep. And who knows how that's going to turn out, but he is a character. Oh, and, uh... shoot. He's like a nice young kid. And he also looks like a really good goalie. Uh, when you got a guy waiting in the wings like that, that's not bad. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let, let's let's talk about goaltenders. Where, where would the Oilers be without Stuart Skinner right now? And, and who who could believe I would have said a sentence like that, you know, three months ago? Where would the Oilers be without Stuart Skinner? Well, I mean, listen, goalies are voodoo, man. You know, who knew, right? Yeah, the reason you brought in a, a guy with you know sort of a veteran guy like Campbell, and you didn't bring in say you know, Vili Huso, who didn't have many games, or, or a backup like a Grice or a Morazic. the reason you brought Campbell in is because all you had was Skinner, and he's a, just a kid starting out. He said, oh, man, this kid here, we got to protect him with a veteran. <laughs> what happens? Campbell comes to town. He's not playing any good, and Skinner's carrying the ball here. So, uh, you know, who knows? I remember a time... Eric having a conversation with tree living and he was pretty happy. He had three kids in the minors. I'm not going to remember all their names. He had that big Gillies, right? Yeah. You guys used to have here. He had that kid that was it Thompson or no, a McTavish or something. He was on the world junior team. I forget his name. Sorry. The, the American player. Yeah. 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 Then he, and then he had no, and then he had the world junior, the American kid. Um, come on Parsons. He had Parsons. Yeah. And then he had a kid that was the third goalie on Team Canada. Our listeners are all screaming his name in their car right now. Oh, I can't it, remember. Yeah, Mason. Uh, yeah, McDonald. Mason, was it McDonald? That guy, yeah, McDonald. That's the guy. And Tree says, hey, I got three young guys. One of these guys has got to play. Don't ask me which one. One of them's going to play. Guess what? None of them are playing. Yeah. And Dan Vladar 
who didn't make anybody's conversation, looks like he's going to be an NHL number one one day. So you go figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And they've got Dustin Wolf, who, of course, they, they're pretty confident in. He looks too. nice, too. It sure looks, think, I mean, it looks good in theory. Yes, all of it. But it also looked pretty good in theory that you had Jacob Markstrom in net to start this season, and it hasn't gone exactly according to Hoyle in that regard. But he, he's turning it around lately, so so that's an interesting well, he's development. done it. Like, the thing about him is he's been so good. You just you know what's coming back here. Campbell hasn't done it for as long, and you wonder in Edmonton. They are wondering. I'll tell you what. I was talking to Jack Campbell this morning. He was wearing these old Vaughn goalie pads, that were an old style of goalie pad, like back from about 2005. Well, they got him trying out the new pads that everyone's wearing. Cause I think the, th- and, and same with his shoulder pads, he was wearing a, his upper body protection was old and small. And now he's wearing new and big. So when a goalie starts changing his equipment in the middle of a season, you know that it's serious. And he didn't like his game, and the owners don't like his game, and they didn't like his gear either. So we'll see where all of this goes. That's interesting because I think a lot of people say, "Well, how does this end? How do you go and still got another four and a half years of this deal? Sure does. What do you What do you do next? Well, you start doing radically different things, like changing equipment, which in the hockey world is that equipment is pretty sacred. I had a conversation today with uh, Nick D. Simone, uh, you know, the Flames defenseman, call up and. Some of these, you've seen it over the years, Mark, too. The, the equipment is hanging by a thread. Like it's been sewn together 15 different times, 15 different ways so that it can just hang on there. I remember seeing Mark Messier's alleged shoulder pads. They, 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 <laughs> they were like two pieces yeah. of plastic and a, and a couple pieces of thread. I mean, amazing what these guys. Them, yeah. yeah, nobody wants to change their equipment. So that's significant that they're doing that to them. It is significant, and you know what? It's he, he hasn't played well. It hasn't, and, and it's been a sort of a consistent, you know, pucks going in that shouldn't go in. And when you look at your goalie, and the the young kid who's six foot three is wearing all the big gear, and he's winning all the games, and the other guy who's a little bit smaller is wearing small gear, and the pucks going in. What do you do? You phone the equipment rep and you say, "Get this guy some equipment out of 2022, please, and get it here yeah. quick." So that's where Jack Campbell's at right now. Interesting, interesting. We're talking to uh, uh, we're talking to Mark Spector, Sportsnet.ca. Big game tonight: Flames versus the Oilers. Uh, you also, uh, I mean, you've been watching this team all year for for decades. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is having one hell of a season, on pace for forty two goals this year, I think, and his career high is twenty eight. What's different with this guy this year? I'm not positive. You know, he's, he's, I would say to you that he's, he's decided to kind of, first of all, in the power play, he's not just a passer. He's finding some open spots where when the puck gets to a stick, you go, well, there's only one option here and it's to shoot because you're wide open in a great spot. And he didn't used to find those spots. He's always had a nice wrist shot. He's like, he can, and he's smart. He's the, he's the guy that, that banks in off the post so many times that you start to figure out after a while, maybe that's just because he's really good at it. <laughs> it's not just fluke. <laughs> um, you know, there's always been a question with Nugent Hopkins. Is he a centerman? Can he drive a line? Some years he hasn't been able to drive a line. And you go, man, we've got to put him back in the wing with a drive side of McDavid because he's awfully good there. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, he's they put drive side of McDavid together and Nugent Hopkins' lines be just fine. So, you know, he's all, you know, he is, Eric, He's just a really good all-around player. You need him mm-hmm. to play the wing. 
You need him to kill a penalty. The only thing he can't do, he's not very good in the circle. He never has been. But he's just, he's a first overall that isn't the McDavid uh, or McKinnon. But you know what? He's just a really good player. He's not a Yakupov either. Sometimes your first round pick, Eric, turns into to, um, Backlund. Backlund's yeah. just an all around good, solid. On a Stanley Cup team, he's my third line center and a mm-hmm. damn good one, and I'll have him every day. Mm-hmm. Sometimes your first round pick is, you know, I don't know, you know, it's Kachuk who scores you 40 goals, right? You don't know yeah. who you're going to get. But both of those guys, Backlund and Nugent Hopkins, are going to play a thousand games in the league, and they're really good contributors. And on your team, oh boy, they make you better for sure. Yeah, they sure do. Okay, uh, you can't talk about the Oilers without McDavid. A couple stats. You know, it's funny. In the absence of newspapers, I used to find you used to know who was in the top twenty of scoring all the time. I don't, correct me if you think that if it's different yeah. for you, but you, you used to get the newspaper every day. You'd read the box scores. You'd also know the who was leading in scoring and assists and even penalty minutes. You'd know all these leaders, and and I had I knew that McDavid was having a huge season. That was clear, but I don't know if I knew that the numbers were this. Uh, ridiculous. He's on pace to score 70 goals and 155 points this season. Only two players in the history of the NHL have ever done that. One's named Wayne, one's named Mario. That is some pretty crazy company. And I don't think anybody is surprised that he's in that sort of rarefied air. But I guess I'll just throw to you, what's he doing differently this year? Was it as simple as him saying this year, I think I could score a goal a game sort of thing like Austin Matthews did? Yeah, it's a good question. Leon Dreisaitl says he's been telling them for years, you can score 50. Go score 50, right? That's the only thing you haven't done. And and at this point, he's on pace for 70. So, you know what? Listen, here's a guy. He's Connor McDavid, so he wins our Ross trophies all the time. And he's got, at this point in his career, after 35 games, he's never had this many goals. He's got 30 goals. He's never had this many assists. He's got 36 assists, 66 points. So he's... You know, he's 25, and he's having the best year of his life. Uh, like, it, got, he, he, it does get better, is my point, right? You wouldn't think it does. He's still getting better. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's like, is he shooting more? Yeah, I, I, you know what I should do is find out in terms of number of shots. Is he's shooting 22%, I can tell you that, which people would say is unsustainable. And I, I would agree, but I also learned a long time ago that any any – any sentence that starts with, I don't think Connor McDavid can, <laughs> is a sentence they're going to shove up, you know, we're pretty quick on you. <laughs> because you just, I, I tried it when I was a couple of years ago, didn't go so well for me. So yeah. this guy, don't ask me to tell you where it's going. Can he get 50 and 50? He's got 30 and 35. You know, you'd think that 50 and 50 is getting away from him here. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't ask me to tell you you can't do it, pal. I'm not yeah. saying that. Yeah. 14 more points. He already has 14 more points, 35 games in than he's ever had before. Uh, it's, yeah. it's just a remarkable pace that he's set. And yet they're the play, they're the team is uh, one point out of a playoff spot right now. Um, I'm not putting on him or anybody else. It's just, it's just right. an interesting, it's an interesting scenario. If you, I think if most people said, yeah, Connor McDavid's going to score 14 more points at this point than ever before. And, 
how do you think the team's doing? Well, I think everyone would have thought that they were going to be in first place anyway. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. it's just that's a good point. So where would they be without him? <laughs> well, that's a yeah. question I'm not about to try to answer, pal. <laughs> it's not as simple as goaltending being, you know, a struggle there because Stuart Skinner has been a nice story for the most part. Is it is it just the same old thing that's that seems to dog the Oilers for I don't know how many years, which is they, they sure know how to score, but they, they don't know how to stop the puck, whether it's the blue line, the forwards buying into the defensive play, or the goaltender. It's everything, right? It's exactly all those things. It's, and it's not all goaltending. I watch every game. I'm not saying the goaltending's been fabulous, but even Jack Campbell, whose numbers are awful, you know, if you went back and looked at the highlight reel of all the goals that went in on this year, you're going to hold your nose at three or four of them, and you're going to say about, about 40 of them, didn't have a chance on that. So mm-hmm. this is a team that if they could ever figure out how to play a defense, you know, a proper defensive game, like where if they get up on you three to one, where you look at them and go, man, I think this game's over. There's always a team in the league like that, right? They get ahead and you go, man, we're never going to score three tonight on these guys. Mm-hmm. If the Oilers were that team, they'd have multiple Stanley Cups because they score enough goals to win. But no, they don't defend well enough. The defense isn't great. Uh, Darnell Nurse is their best defenseman, and he has had a he struggle this year. He's been on for a lot of goals against and made some mistakes. Uh, that's every year, Eric. The the job up in Edmonton is we score enough. We just got to figure it out to keep it out of our net. They did that in the playoffs, one two rounds playoff hockey. You know they did it down the stretch last year. They were the I think the second best team in the league from about February fifteenth on last year. So the minute they figure out the defense, they're a hard team to play against. But right now, uh, if they don't score four, pal, they don't win. That's just the way it is in Edmonton. Okay, we'll wrap up with uh, a stat that admittedly you said you're not sure if it still is accurate, but I loved it. We were talking about it while we were watching the morning skate today about goaltenders who make $5 million plus in this division alone. Tell the stat because that's a fascinating one. Yeah, this was a stat from just about four or five days ago. So I assume it's still right, but let's just see. Uh, there was seven goaltenders in the Pacific Division who make $5 million. Okay, you with me on this? Seven mm-hmm. guys make it $5 million, So those are all the expensive starters. Every one of them, their save percentage started with an eight. So let's see if I can name them all. They were Demko. They were Campbell in Edmonton. It's Markstrom in Calgary. It's Gibson in Anaheim. It, at that point, again, it's about a week old, this stat, but it can't be that far off. In L.A., it was both Quick and Peterson. And in Seattle, it is the seventh guy is Grubauer. Make it $5 million bucks, and they all start with eight. So folks in Calgary are looking at Markstrom and going, come on, man, let's go. Folks in every town are looking at their guy in the Pacific and saying, come on, man, let's go. <laughs> it is amazing. I, I'm looking at another stat right in front of lowest save percentage in the NHL this season with minimum 15 games played. The, the bottom seven guys are all from the Pacific division. It's, it's, yeah. an, it's just an amazing stat. It, 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 you know. So anyway, an interesting division, an entertaining one, and uh, I can't think of two teams I'd rather watch go head-to-head like the two that are going to go head-to-head. So tonight – Thank you, my friend, for joining us. Look forward to seeing you down at the media meal. And uh, tell you what, put put it on my tab this time, okay? Put your oh, meal on my pleasure. tab. It's always a pleasure. You never say that in Edmonton where the media meal costs twice as much. How come exactly. that is? <laughs> That's your job. That's your hosting job, my friend. I'll, I'll take care of my own city.
Yeah, I know. All right. Thanks for having me, man. All right. Thank you, my friend. We will see you later. Okay, there he is. Mark Spector uh, from sportsnet.ca. You can read him. He's the best in the business, in my opinion, and he is uh, always fun to talk to as well. Uh, this was the Eric Francis Show. It's brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry has a $312 million positive economic impact in Alberta annually. Visit thehorses.com, 18 plus. Please play responsibly. Enjoy the game tonight. Happy holidays. And we will talk to you. Uh, will we talk to you next week? No, next week we're off. So we'll talk to you in two weeks here on the Eric Francis Show. You're listening to Sports at 960, The Fan.